Welcome to the Abbott Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. We're in the uh, closure of a series called The, the Cross. So a um, uh, message really came from a conversation I had with Apostle Dick Benjamin, the founder of our church, uh, 59 or so years ago. Uh, Dick planted this church. And uh, along the way, one of the foundational messages uh, of, of Abbott Loop was really about the cross and what Jesus did on the cross, but he's preached this one message. He was telling me about five perspectives of the cross, and it just just pinged in my heart. I felt the Lord say, "Josh, we need to redig this well. We need to. I want you to preach this." So we dug up all of his notes and uh, messages that he preached, audio messages that he preached about the cross. And his son and I, Rick, we uh, just really retooled the message, and we've done five messages on the on the different perspectives of the cross. Uh, and, I've really enjoyed it. It's been really a huge blessing to me. I feel like I'm growing, you know, and just studying what Dick taught as well as just having the chance to dig in the Word and look at it from these different perspectives. I don't think I've ever done that before in my life. And so to hear Dick teach around the cross was really, really impacting to me. I hope it's been impacting you. So we've been uh, looking at it different views. The first view is from the Father's eyes. The Father is the master planner. He's the genius behind it all. This is not plan B, C, or D. This is plan A. Listen, God the Father is so amazing, he always gets plan A. He's the God that always gets plan A. You and I, it's not like us. We make plans and then we're like, oh, that didn't work. Let's let's shake it up and let's try something different. God always gets his way. And so he made this master plan from the beginning and he looked through the cross as a necessary piece for you and I. It was the bridge piece. It was the moment where everything shifted so that he could get what he really wanted. And you know what that was? You. Relationship with you. He wanted perfect relationship with you, and that meant you needed to choose. Real love is choice. And if you and I have to choose, then we had to experience something that that choice gives us. And that is loss, suffering, and the results of our own sin. So we're in the garden. The Father knew when he placed us in the garden with the choice to choose to eat of the knowledge of good and evil. He knew we're Dennis the Menace. We're going to push the button. You can't help it. He knew, and he also knew that we needed to experience it so that when we are in eternity with God, we would remember what it was like to be without. And that's what Adam and Eve did not have. They, they were in perfect presence of God, but they didn't know what it was like to be without him and to get what they could earn on their own. Amen? We know that. The Father saw the cross. He saw through the cross, and he saw you and I in eternal relationship with him. The Son was part of that decision from the beginning to choose to be on the cross and pay the sacrifice for us. And so the Son, also from the beginning of time in the world, he was the word, he was with God. Right? He, he created the foundations of the world. And he knew and he chose in that decision to make man to be the one that hung on the cross looking at you. And so Jesus hung from the cross looking at you personally. He saw you and you were worth it to him. And it gave him joy in his spirit to go to the cross so that we could have eternal relationship with God. Amen? Then we saw <clears throat> Satan's view of the cross, which is one of my favorite messages to preach almost ever. <laughs> so awesome. Is Satan had some stuff. 
he earned some things. He deceived and he tricked and he thought that when he deceived Adam and Eve in the garden that he thought, oh my gosh, I just got the keys to the Ferrari. I got the keys to the world. And he did for a time. Bible says that when Jesus went to the cross and he you know, shook it up and he paid the price for all of our sin, he went and he actually took the keys of sin and death from the enemy. He took authority from the, of the world from the enemy, took it away from him, and he then gives it to us. Pretty awesome. So Satan's view of the cross before was, this is my victory before Jesus actually died. But when Jesus died on the cross, it all shifted. The world shook, and Jesus went down, and he took back what the enemy had stole from him. I took back what he stole from me. Come on, right? I took back what he stole from me. <clears throat> He's under my feet. It's one of my feet. It's one of my favorite songs. I love that song. <clears throat> Then we see the unbeliever's view of the cross. Pastor Rick preached that. That the unbeliever looks at the cross and they see it as foolishness. They see this God came to the world like, what? He became a man? What kind of God would do that? Exactly, what kind of God would do that? To them, that's foolishness. He died This uh, uh, died for his people. Why does that happen? Why would he even do that to, to the unbeliever? It's complete, makes no sense. But Corinthians 1.18 says this, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. It's foolishness to the unbeliever until it isn't. It's like all of a sudden you go, whoa, he died for me and I don't have to earn it? The wages of my sin is death? And that's what I'm going to get if I don't have Christ. And all of a sudden, the cross makes sense because it's the perfect example of love, of God's perfect love for us. And I remember the moment <clears throat> that I believed Jesus was my Savior and Jesus was God. In that moment, I experienced the power of God's presence. And I was a heathen. I was a pagan. I grew up in, like, the Baha'i religion. I, I was, like... Lost, lost. Never opened a Bible, nothing, right? So I, when I met Jesus, I had never experienced the presence and the power of God. Zero in my life. And when that moment, it shifted. The cross, Jesus, this baby in a manger, all that stuff was foolishness to me. It made no sense. But the second I believed he was God, it all changed for me. And all of a sudden, the power of God came in my life and has never left. That's good news. It's amazing. And now, oh man, going from being an unbeliever to a believer, it makes sense. And that's what we're going to talk about today is the fifth perspective of what we're going to look at the cross is the believer's perspective of the cross. How many of you remember what it's like to be an unbeliever looking at the cross? And then when it shifted. Yeah. Wow. How different of a perspective now from foolishness to power foolishness to power simon was this interesting character in uh in the bible <clears throat> jesus was brought before pilate and pilate sends him over to the jews to be you know says hey you're going to get what you want and then the jews turn him over back to the soldiers and the soldiers the roman soldiers then go and uh, mock, beat, 
Jesus spit on him. It says in, in uh, Matthew 27, it says they did these things until they just got bored of it. Dressed him in a robe, put a crown of thorns on him, and they just mocked and sped, sped on him, and, he, and, and they beat him with sticks until they just got bored. And they're like, I guess we should crucify him. It's ridiculous. And he was so beaten, they say that he was pretty much already dead. Like, there was no way he could have survived from that trauma. But he was made to carry his own cross. And so while he's carrying his own cross, he got so weak that he could no longer do it anymore. And this interesting person named Simon from Cyrene comes and they say, hey, you, out of the crowd, you gotta come and carry this cross for him. And it is widely believed that Simon became a believer himself. Can you imagine what that experience would have done to you? You carried Jesus' cross. Let's think about this. When Rick was talking about this in his message, and it, it just pinged in my mind, the Holy Spirit goes, look at that. Simon carried Jesus' cross for him, for himself. <laughs> he didn't realize it. But he picked up Jesus' cross, and he picks it up, and he's like taking it, and he's going to take it and destroy it. And he takes it to the cross of Calvary for Jesus, but for himself. Oh, my gosh. God, you, God set that up. He didn't do that on accident. It won't fall. Safe. He didn't do that on accident. And so many times, and I've heard it preached before, and it grieves my spirit to hear this, is that when you sin, you bad sinner, you, when you sinned, your sin nailed Jesus to that cross. That's a lie. It's not the truth. Jesus created you, and before he created you, he decided he was going to the cross. And he went to the cross for your sin, and he nailed your sin to the cross true. He did nail your sin to the cross, but not for your shame. Romans 8 says there's no condemnation for those who are found, who are hidden, who are implanted in Christ Jesus. The word is imputed, placed inside by his power, not yours. Yeah. When you're crucified with Christ, it's not your sin is what put him on the cross. He chose to go to the cross so you could live in victory and freedom, not shame. There's no shame, condemnation for those who are in him. So you and I, we're like Simon of Cyrene. In our discipleship life, Jesus said, listen, if you don't take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of following me. You gotta be like Simon. I gotta be like Simon. I gotta be willing to pick up this cross and carry it, take it, just like he did. I want to pick that thing up. Not because I'm so ashamed that Jesus went. No, I'm helping him go there like Simon so I can be free. I pick up my cross so I can be free. So many amazing things that we see as believers when we look at the cross. It, it, 
it's not just the chunks of wood. This is, this is life. This is eternal life. When we look here at the cross, we see eternal life. I just imagine those disciples, Mary, John, Peter. I mean, Peter ran, right? Poor guy, he ran. <laughs> but many of his disciples were just there at the cross watching him die, and they believed he was the Son of God. And they're trying to reconcile what is going to happen. It wasn't just a chunk of wood. It's what happened on this tree, right? It's what happened here that Jesus did for us. It gave us eternal life. John 3:14. Just as Moses was lifted up, lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna nail a few things on the cross. Sound good? So we remember it. We're going to nail a few things. One of the things that we get when we look to Jesus is we get eternal life. Jesus on the cross gives us eternal life. Amen. All right. Galatians 3.13, redemption from the curse of the law. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. This is a prophetic word about the cross. You know, the law did not actually help you. If you and I were Jews and we read this, it would, fe- it would mean something big to us. Because having to live up to the law was a huge, impossible task. Sure, it defines righteousness, and we go, oh man, we ought to live that way, but it's impossible. And if you don't live up to it, you break one law, you have failed at all. And every single failure had a curse connected to it. If you do this, you're blessed. If you don't, you're in trouble. It was a huge burden. Every day they had to sacrifice. Every day they had to live up to. Instead, when Jesus died, he didn't come to abolish it to make it as if it meant nothing. He came to deliver us from it. He set us free from its curse, and now we get to live in its righteousness. Now the law is a blessing. But it's the law of righteousness that now lives inside your heart through the Holy Spirit. And what Jesus did on Calvary, what Jesus did on the cross, is now given to you, living inside you, free of all the burden of if you mess up. Well, that's pretty good. Right? Free of the law. Laws on the cross, eternal life. You get eternal life as a believer when you look to the cross. All right, freedom from the curse of the law. We're also rescued from judgment. That sounds okay. That's all right. 
1 Thessalonians 1.10, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead, he is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. The wages of sin is death. The weight for every sin that each one of us under the law, okay, that, that, that we commit, there is a punishment and a due punishment for that. And that is terrifying. If you and I do not have Jesus, then we have the fear, the terror. I love that version. New Living says the terror of the judgment, the coming judgment, it's imminent, it's going to happen if you don't have Christ. But man, when we as believers look to the cross, this is why it's no longer foolish. I look to the cross and I see freedom, salvation rescued from the coming judgment the terror of that judgment that I would have to have if I did not accept Jesus. And we look there, we see freedom, right? Judgment, it's on the cross, rescued. We have freedom from sin and death. Titus 2.14, he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us his own, his very own people. Hear the person, how personal, intimate, you're his very own person, totally committing to do good deeds. Galatians 5.24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Jesus has set you and I free from sin and death on the cross. When we look at the cross, we don't see a powerless gospel. We don't see a powerless life, a struggle against sin. Sin is defeated. Sin and death were taken off of Satan's stuff and put at the feet of the cross. And now Jesus says, Matthew 20, I have all authority and power in me and now I give it to you. Go make disciples. You don't make disciples of your sin. If you walk in, live in sin, you're gonna make disciples of your sin. And if you believe and see that the cross is powerless, that Jesus was powerless to deliver you from your sin, you're gonna think and feel that you are powerless to your sin and then you're just gonna let it happen to you. You're like, well, it's just the way I am. I just look at women that way all the time. I objectify them. I objectify them. That's bad. That sin, actually, you have had that part of your life cut away in Christ. You don't have to lie, cheat, steal, Murder, hate, bitter, gossip, slander, none of those things. Sexual sin, sexual immorality, none of those things do you have to do. You are no longer enslaved to them because on the cross, you have been set free. Totally delivered. But if you don't believe you're delivered, then you're gonna live like you're not delivered. You're gonna think that it has power over you. It doesn't have power over you unless you give it power over you. What you focus on expands. And if you believe you're powerless, you will live powerless. 
and you believe that the fullness of the power of your sin, of, of overcoming your sin and being, sin being destroyed in your life, that happened on the cross, and when you accept Christ, it's obliterated in him, changes the way you live. Colossians 2.13, you were dead because of your sins, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. Jesus on the cross, when you accept him on the cross, you get your sin cut away like surgery cutting cancer out of your life. He canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Jesus literally with himself and the nails went in his hands, nailed your sin and cut it away from you if you believe in him, nailed it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So he does all that and he disarms the enemy while he cuts sin out of your life and he nailed it all to the cross. Pretty good. Almost says it. Sin and death. Death. He defeated our enemy. Hebrews 2.14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is, the devil. Come on. He broke the power of the devil on the cross. Pastor Dick, in his message when we listened to it, said that the devil has a new name, and it's defeated devil. We look at the cross as believers. God disarmed him. He, like, uh, Pastor Dick said in his message, he's like a lion that he just pulled all his teeth out. So if he's going around to see whom he may devour now, he's going to gum you to death. Don't let, don't let the devil gum you to death. I like it that the devil's defeated, right? My interest in the world has also been crucified with Christ. Galatians 6, 14, as for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. How many, when you got saved, lost some friends? Okay, so before I got saved, my spirit, my soul, my man, like when I do carnal stuff, like it was all one thing. Like there was no carnality and no carnality. It was just life. And my inner person was just like, woo! That was awesome. Didn't matter what it was. It just was like, yeah. But the moment I got saved, the moment the presence of God came into my life, the interests of the world shifted. 
and its interest in me shifted. When I shifted inside, now when I would do sin or look at girls in the wrong way or think of things I shouldn't, I was like, whoa, whoa, something feels like poison in my spirit. I remember talking to one of my friends down the hallway, and I was checking this girl, and I was like, oh, man, she looks really good. He's like, I don't do that. I'm like, you're a freak. I, I, I mean, how is that possible? I remember that moment. That was the first seed of the gospel in my life, right there. And he said, because I serve Jesus, I'm like, you are a space alien. <laughs> I, I remember it to this day. It impacted me. And then when I got saved, then I got it. It was foolish to me first, and then when I got saved, it shifted. And anytime you and I, we participate in something in the world, we follow in the world's ways. It, you feel it in your spirit, it sickens you. It feels as if poison has entered into your being. We're not made to follow the ways of the world. There's now a separation because your spirit has now come alive with Christ. It's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. And so your interest and the interest in the world, they're like, you know what? We don't like hanging out with you anymore. My friends were kind of like, I was like, you don't? They're kind of like, no. We don't like what you're about, really. You make us feel guilty all the time. Like, I'm not even saying nothing. Doesn't matter. We're out here cussing and drinking and stuff, and then you're just being nice to us. I feel that love of Jesus thing coming off you. It makes me uncomfortable. Makes the world uncomfortable, even when you're loving them and not being religious and judgy, right? That just makes them mad. Okay. <laughs> when you love the world, it causes them to freak out. The world, the world is nailed to the cross. Your interest in the world, the world's interest in you. So don't follow it as if you're still a slave. Don't follow all the trends, all of the ways. When you're a follower of Christ, you don't follow the ways of the world. Healing is afforded to you on the cross. First Peter 2.12, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. What a great, what great news. Your sin, your sickness, your disease, all of it has been given, uh, is healed by the power of Christ's resurrection and by what he did for you on the cross. Now, there's a couple things. One, when you walk and operate in sin, when you and I do, sin, fact, sin leads to death. Even in your physical body, your emotional body, your physical body, you participate in sin, you can get sick from it. Fact. People start repenting and getting bitterness. Bitterness is linked to cancer. There's all kinds of uh, fear and stuff is linked to all kinds of anxiety and asthmas and all these things. People work through those issues and get healed of them, those problems will many times go away. Now, it's not the root of all physical problems, but some of them are rooted in sin. And when you give up your life of sin and you live a life nailed to the cross, guess what? You're gonna experience healing in your physical body. 
You can also experience healing by his stripes we are healed just through the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit moving through your life. Just prayer, boom, healed miraculously. You know what? But then no matter what happens and how many times you get healed, you're gonna die. You are gonna face the end. You gonna meet Jamaica. All of us do. And in that moment, when you and your life has been nailed to the cross with Jesus, perfect, total healing. Best healing you can get, come on, is when you go in into eternity. So as a believer, you look to the cross and you see eternal healing in your body with a glorified body that looks like Jesus' resurrected body. That's the best kind of healing you can ever get. So when someone passes away, we mourn differently as a church when they know Jesus, when they've been crucified with Christ. We go, oh, I'm kind of a little jealous. They got their glorified body. They're in the perfect presence of God. That's what we're made for, right? You're made for perfect healing. Jesus paid for it on the cross. Put those in real far so when Jerry has to pull them out when we're done. Just feed it up. <laughs> Where is he? Is he in here? Oh, there he is. <laughs> oh, I love you, Jerry Williams. You're a man of God. All right. <laughs> That's so mean. <laughs> okay. And somehow I feel pleasure about this. That must not be a way of the world. That must be something of the spirit because I feel so good about it, Jerry. <laughs> okay, praise the Lord. Here, this is so awesome. Listen, as believers, we have access to God. When we look to the cross, we get access to God. The fullness of his power, everything. When Jesus went to the cross and, and, it, and, it, and it happened, like he, he dies, he gives us the spirit, some radical things happen. Matthew 27, 50. Then Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice. He gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life, and they came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. It reminds me of when they were in the garden and they show up and they're like, we're gonna take Jesus, where is he? And he goes, I am him. And ever the power of God falls and knocks them all over and they're going, I just can't imagine. They're like sitting there and go like, maybe we shouldn't do this. You know? They get up and they do it anyway. And then when he gets crucified, those same guards, it's probably the same guards going like, okay. This guy was probably the son of God. This might have been a bad idea. <laughs> but it was actually the best thing that ever happened for all of us is because Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. And we as believers look to the cross. We see access. Access to the fullness of God's power. Access to his presence, his loving nature of all time. Never leave you or forsake you. You can't get separated from it once you get it. Once it's torn, that veil doesn't get sewed back up again. The veil that was torn from top to bottom was in the temple. 
That separated the holy place from the holy of holies, from all the outer stuff that happened from the inner sanctum of where the Holy Spirit literally dwelt. And God did the most radical of things when Jesus died on the cross is he tore that thing from the top to the bottom. And he said, now watch this. I am going to make my temple you. All those who believe. I'm going to give now full access to God. The loss fulfilled. That's all done. I just did it. And now you get to experience my presence and its fullness because of what I did on the cross. So when we look to the cross, man, we see access. And the Hebrew says, go in boldly, right? We get to enter in boldly like, hey, I own the place. Just like you go eat out of your mom's fridge. That's how you go spend time with Jesus. You get access. You open your mama's fridge just to open it? What? He said he opens his mom's fridge just to open it. Because <laughs> he belongs there. That's good. Me. We're going to listen to Pastor Dick here in just a moment preach about this. This is a little out of one of the messages I found about the cross from him. But he says this about it. It's personal. This isn't general. He didn't just die for everybody. You think about, oh, I just died for that massive crowd. And, you know, some of you guys, and I try really hard, and I'm actually pretty good with names. I remember a lot of people's names. But, I mean, if we just go 2,000 people in this church, good luck. I mean, can you try to remember 2,000 people's names? No. And it's, like, cool. you like, we get to meet each other. We get to know each other. It's so cool. But, <laughs> I mean, Let's be real. One human being can't know that many people. We are all limited. God is not like us. We can't see the cross through, like, the way my relationship is with you. I'm not Jesus, man. Not even close. He just lives in me like he lives in you. And each one of us, Jesus went to the cross, and it was personal. He saw you very intimately, very personally, and he knew you. He knew who heaven made you to be. He knew your name. He knew what you would do. He knew what you would be empowered to do when he died for you. Yeah. And he says this. There's some things that are personal about when you personally experience the cross and you give your life to him. John 12, 23 the hours come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for, will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servants also will be. My Father will honor anyone who serves me. Your life now dies with Jesus. It's personal. He died for you, and you die personally with him. 
Revelation 12, 11, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink back from death. Talking about the devil, triumphed over the devil. Talking about the church, that's us. We don't love our lives so much that we wanna hang on to them. No, we're that kernel of wheat that unless it dies, it doesn't spring up new life. We are dead with Christ because we want all of what he has for us that's afforded to us in and on the cross. Ephesians 5.1 says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. When we look to the cross, we see ourselves on the cross with Jesus giving everything, following in his example for the grace and for the sake of love poured out through our life by God's grace. Come on. We see us nailed to the cross, and we're not afraid of that. We're not afraid of losing our life because we know when we do, we find it. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You and me. We have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you and I who live, but Christ who lives in us. Let's listen to Pastor Dick as we close. And the cross is designed to cross all cultural barriers, all national barriers, all racial barriers, and we come to Christ, we become one before the Lord. And it's done through the blood that was shed on that cross. So what I've preached thus far this morning by review, immediate results, but eternal results, but also there are personal results. The personal results include what I've been saying. Causes me to be born again. Causes me to be redeemed from the curse of the law. Causes me to know that I have a defeated enemy. Causes me to know I have access unto God through the rent veil. All this become personalized, individualized, not just generalized. The Apostle Paul took this theological stance and experiential stance, I am crucified with Christ. So I come to the cross to get saved, but there's more to it than that. One of the reasons the Apostle Paul was so dynamically successful is that he touched on the meaning of the cross not to be redeemed, but to be nailed there himself. And to fulfill what Jesus said, You take my cross, and unless you take my cross, in essence, you cannot be, in the total sense, my disciple. Matthew 16. Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. You and I, we are crucified with Christ. Your life, your desire, what you want, what you hope for, all that stuff. If you want it, whatever, if you want God's best for you, you have to give it all up. Your identity can't be in who you are or what you think you can do and all that stuff. It is a sacrificial life where we go to the cross with Christ the same way. We take up that cross, amen? Take up the cross. It has, it has a weight to it. There's a weightiness to the decision to take the cross and to lift it and say, 
It's no longer I who live, but Christ you who lives in me. I don't want the ways of the world. I don't want to experience judgment. I want the freedom. I want eternal life. God, I thank you. If I take the cross, I experience a defeated devil, not one who has power and authority over me. I have full access to God, total healing, separated from sin and death. It's all good. And the life that you can gain on your own, you're subject to all the negative sides of these. When Jesus came for you and I, he rescued us from this. To give up your life is to give up all the negative consequences and to have eternal life with God. It's the best thing ever. And so, listen, this is why you can't take something from me. Because I don't have anything anymore. It's all gone. It's all crucified because I'm here. You can't take what actually matters to me. That's Jesus. You can't take that. When you give your life to Jesus, nothing can separate you from that love. There's probably many of us here today that are feeling, I need to give up and surrender more of my life. I'm saved, but I need to surrender more of my life to the Lord. I need to start living a crucified life with Christ. As I look at the cross as a believer, there's so much here that many times we're not accessing or we're participating back in the world or we're allowing condemnation and judgment all over our life or like trying to live all these religious rules and laws and doing all these ceremonies and things and we don't, we're afraid of our eternal life and we live in fear that, oh, am I going to make it to heaven? Listen, you and I, we need to shift and begin to live the fullness of what Christ purchased for us on the cross. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, will you turn our hearts? God, we just repent, Lord, and we just repent from following the ways of the world or ways that lead of sin and lead us to sin and death. And God, we just want to be led by your spirit. We want to be crucified with Christ. With every place where we've been selfish and thought about us and it was about us and our dreams and our thing and our money and our whatever and our position and our title, God, will you forgive us for those thoughts, those actions? and those worries and concerns. And God, we are just crucified with you, Jesus. We no longer live, but you live with us. We take up our cross and we follow you. We wanna live the way you live, Jesus, in full sacrifice from your love. Do that in our hearts today. We thank you, God, that we are made whole in you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. Services in Anchorage, Alaska are at 9 and 11 a.m. We hope to see you soon.